Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, College to the Pros edition. Urban Meyer is the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ari Wasserman, you and I have both covered Urban Meyer as a beat writer. He has mentioned many, many times that he wasn't sure that, that he'd be the kind of guy who could be an NFL coach because NFL coaches lose games. <laughs> Urban Meyer doesn't like losing games. This is, this is very, very interesting, though, because he's going to the Jaguars. They have the number one pick in the draft. They have 11 total draft picks. They have nearly $100 million in cap space. This is a great opportunity for Urban Meyer. If you're going to go to the NFL, this feels like, hey, this is your best shot here. The best chance about being two and four is the chance to go three and four. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, he. let's put it this way. I feel like when you've accomplished everything there is to accomplish in a sport and Granted, he isn't Nick Saban, and he hasn't won seven national titles in whatever years it's been, but he's accomplished everything there is to accomplish. He's built um, multiple programs in in college. He's won three national championships, two um, different schools, and you know he's at the point in his life where maybe he wants to try something different. I can understand that, and I think yeah. we both know this about, about Urban. He has an insatiable desire to compete, and I think he's a very good – uh, analyst, I truly believe that his gig at Fox Sports was fulfilling to a certain extent, but I think there's a bigger difference between talking about football and being entrenched in it than people realize. And you know, as much as it is for us to talk about it, I mean, it's completely fulfilling for me to talk about it. But being a coach is his true passion. Yeah. So the question is: A, can he recalibrate his brain to accepting the fact that it's a different sport? And you don't have to go twelve and zero or 16 and 0 and like 10 and 6 is a good season. And two, will the lack of recruiting and um all the stuff that comes along with being a college coach energize him to do all the other things well and of course three his health, which is I'm sure all topics that we'll get into on this podcast. But it is crazy that we are. If you would have asked me in 2017 right after he signed his best class in Ohio State history, would he be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021? I would have bet my life that he wouldn't be. So don't gamble with your life, guys. Uh it's not <laughs> I always thought it would be like the Cowboys or something, you know, if it ever came to it. I never not knew that it'd be a, a team like that. But as you mentioned, Andy this is a hell of an opportunity, and to start off with Trevor Lawrence and a bunch of draft picks and some cap space, if you're going to take the – and he's very familiar with that area. Yeah. He loves Florida. You know, I, I think it's the perfect fit for for the attempt. Only about an hour and 15-minute drive from from the old lake house, which I'm assuming they're going to they're gonna keep. So, you know, you, you've got that situation where you've got the number one draft pick. I know everybody's going to say, well, now he's going to go take Justin Fields because he's a Buckeye. Let's put that to bed right now. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. And then you've got all these draft picks. You, you've got all this cap space. You can essentially remake this team. And look, it's a team that won one game in 2020. But it can be a completely different team 
next year. It can be competitive right away. I don't know if it's a playoff team right away, but when you have this many draft picks and this much cap space, it is definitely a chance to completely remake the organization. And that's the something, you know, the Jaguars, it's interesting because they were in the AFC championship game in 2017. They had Blake Bortles. They had a really good defensive line back then, but they couldn't sustain that. So they're trying to create something that's sustainable. They'll try to build it around a top quarterback. Shad Khan, their owner, said that last, last week after he fired Doug Marone, basically said they've never had the real franchise quarterback. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm here for that Blake Bortles slander, but that, that's probably true. <laughs> they, they have not had a, a real franchise quarterback. They will have that as well as anyone can in terms of, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the probably the top quarterback prospect in terms of tools since Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah. And listen, the NFL is not college football. You can go from worst to first pretty quickly. In college football, it takes years of recruiting classes and culture changing. And, you know, the jobs that Urban Meyer took when in school or in college, uh, like Ohio State, wasn't broken when he took over. But for the most part, when a new coach comes in, there's a reason why the old coach is gone. And it takes a while. But if you go into an NFL franchise and you're able to get a franchise quarterback right off the gate, why do NFL teams middle around for 10, 15 years not making the playoffs? If you go and you look at every single example of that, it's because they never found their quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you don't have anything. And that's like when he was at the Ohio State um, phase of his life, every year he was the rumored Browns candidate. Yes. And I always thought, like, that's kind of a dumb thing. But he's a Northeast Ohio guy. I can understand that he might have an emotional pull to the Browns, but they were a middling franchise who haven't, who didn't find their quarterback until recently. And even there, before this crazy playoff run, the Browns uh, didn't know what they had in Baker Mayfield, one hundred percent. So like now, the fact that he can go into a call, I mean, an NFL franchise and get maybe the most can't miss NFL quarterback prospect there's been since Andrew Luck, not to mention that he has another first round draft pick and a ton of cap space. Like it's an ideal situation and it's in a part of the country that he's very familiar with. And he also doesn't have to call teenagers every night and fly around <laughs> right. the country to exactly. convince them to come and like all the things that come with it. Now, he I may think have it's to he may have to call Trent Williams or, or Alejandro Villanueva <laughs> if they're if they're trying to get a left tackle in free agency. But that that's one steak dinner. That's not yeah, that's yeah. Not the and same thing. And you're allowed to buy the steak, I think. Um, yes. And like the idea of of all the other things that you have to do to be a successful college football coach, like waiting up all night, uh, worrying that somebody got in trouble. If that happens in the NFL, it's not your problem. You, you know, just and cut all the him. things. It's great. Yeah, it's over. And uh, you know the 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 Tough thing about it is, is that I think that, or it's not tough, it's easy. I think it's less stressful to be the Jaguars head coach than it is to be Ohio State's coach. Or the or Florida's head coach. I, mean, I can tell you right now. Or Georgia's covered, or any other. Yeah, or I covered Urban Meyer at Florida. I live in Gainesville. I, I'm very, very close to Jacksonville. The pressure on the, the Florida coach, like Dan Mullen, Urban's former assistant, is going to get a lot more pressure than Urban Meyer is going to get. Now, Urban Meyer yeah. is going to put all that pressure on himself because that's who he is. But I think you're right. And, and the quarterback thing is so important because we just got done watching Nick Saban win his seventh national title as a college football coach. And he had that period with the Dolphins between LSU and Alabama. And it was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. If you look, if you go back, uh, you, you see Nick Saban's defenses actually shutting down Tom Brady and the Patriots a little bit. 
in division games, but they never quite got over the hump. And the reason they never quite got over the hump is Drew Brees failed his physical. If Drew Brees was the Dolphins quarterback and Nick Saban had him, I'm not sure Nick Saban goes to Alabama. Was was Nick Saban 500 in the NFL? I believe he was. Or, I, think or right he was at I think he was right at 500 without a quarterback. Um, and I think that people view him as a failure in the NFL. I, I don't view him as a failure. I don't think he was in the NFL long enough to be a failure. Um, it takes time to find he, a quarterback. He was 15 and, and 17, so one one game yeah. off. Okay, so, you know, and in the NFL, that's not terrible. <laughs> We've seen no. coaches go 2 and 14. You know, like, it happens. Well, you, um, you throw Drew Brees into the mix, and it changes considerably. I mean, the, the Saints get Drew Brees, and they go win a Super Bowl. That could have been Nick Saban at Miami. Instead, he goes to Alabama and dominates college football and uh, ends up playing Urban Meyer in a couple classic SEC championship games. But, you know, the, the, the Urban Meyer thing, we, we've talked about this. He's a great recruiter, which doesn't matter anymore. He's a great culture builder, which does matter. He's a great evaluator of talent, which also does matter. So he does have skills that translate to the NFL level better than people would think. We'll be right back after these words. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The, the part for me that I wonder about, the last time we saw him coaching, you know, we're watching that Maryland game before the, the week before they play Michigan. And Maryland pushes them to overtime. And he just, he's physically ill on the sidelines. And the, the pressure of losing and, and the threat of losing it, it did that to him. You saw it at Florida in 2009. You saw it at Ohio State in 2018. How does he recalibrate his brain to accept the fact that you will lose in the NFL? As Mercury Morris often reminds us, only one NFL team's ever gone undefeated. You, you, can, you can win the Super Bowl and lose four or five games. Yeah, I, I think that you have to go into it with an understanding that it's just a different sport. You know, and I think that it's interesting that you bring up all the things that equate or... or or go into the NFL and translate in terms of those skill sets, but those skill sets also have to be different and, and work for the different sport too. Because like at Ohio State, the thing that he did so well was build that program, but what he built was a um, a culture that was conducive to elite level recruiting. Mm -hmm. So you know w when you build programs that help teenagers achieve their dreams, it's different than managing people who already have achieved it. And like I just like try to think in my head all the things that they used to do at Ohio State, like Real Life Wednesday, yeah. where they would have these CEOs come in and talk to the kids on the team about internships and life after football. Or, um, you know, they had a motivational speaker or a, a motivational guy named Tim Kite who would come in and have, like, And he's a discussion. culture and organizational culture. guy who, who I'm sure the Jags are going to get get familiar with. But I would also pay money to watch him address millionaires. Like it's not the same thing. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. You like could have the to e plus the R, e, the e plus R equals O. Like like that stuff. I don't know 
if people who are already in the NFL trying to win a Super Bowl are going to be as um, as willing to accept those types of messages than a, a college kid might. And I'm well, not saying it, it doesn't work. It's it's but doable. It's different. I'll tell you why. I, you know, I, I wrote a book with Trevor Moad, who's the been the mental coach at Alabama. He works with Georgia. He works with Michigan State right now. But he also works with Russell Wilson. The stuff he does for Russell Wilson is very different than the stuff he does for Michigan State. And he knows that. He realizes it's a different audience that he's working with. And so I think that's the sort of thing, if you're Urban Meyer, when you bring those people in, you can tailor the message to who they are and and what they're about and, and where they are in their life right now. Because you're right, a college student who's trying to get to the NFL is a very different person than a guy on his second contract in the NFL who is making bajillions of dollars. And, and the power dynamic's different. You know, the, the, that Trevor Lawrence, even though he'll be on a rookie contract, will be the most important person in the franchise. Urban Meyer will not be the most important person in the franchise. I think that's okay. I think that the thing that made Urban Meyer so good, Andy, was his ability to adapt. And, you know, I think that the thing that, made it tough for him at the end of his Ohio State tenure was an inability to replace uh, assistants, and he hired a lot of friends, and that turned out to be a problem. That's something that Nick Saban has done quite well, uh, replacing assistants. Um, but in terms of adapting to what went wrong, the biggest changes that Ohio State made in their entire existence there for the seven years came after losses. I mean, Ohio State lost two out of three games at one point, or three out of four, and it led to a overhaul of defensive scheme and staff, and it turned into a national championship. Yep. So his ability to take losses might not be great because he didn't do it very often. I think he lost nine games in seven years at Ohio State, and he could potentially lose nine in his first year, depending on how quickly they can get things turned around in Jacksonville. But the one thing I will say is that he's always been willing to adapt and be with the times. And that should also translate to adapting and being with the times when you're in a different environment. Well, I'll give you a great example of that. In that stadium, one of one of his biggest games in his career took place in that stadium. So I'll take you back to 2005. This is Urban Meyer's first year at Florida. He has come in. They, they were really good at Utah. They were undefeated. Alex Smith was the, the number one draft pick, and everybody thought, okay, he's going to come in at Florida, and this offense is going to set the world on fire. But the roster they had for it didn't really work. You know, the, 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 personnel, the personnel just didn't work for the offense he wanted to run. So they start out okay, but then they go to Alabama and get absolutely smoked. Then they go to LSU, and they have a fairly close game, but they get four possessions in the fourth quarter and never cross their own 30-yard line. After the game, Urban Meyer sheds tears in the press conference. The, the offensive staff is just beside themselves. They don't know what to do. They had an open date before Georgia, and Georgia was really, really good that year. Georgia wound up winning the SEC that year. They scrapped their entire offense. Just scrapped it. Said, this isn't going to work with the players we have, so let's do something different. And basically, they went back and looked at the previous year's film and said, okay, here's the stuff that Larry Fedora, when he was running this offense, did that these guys were really good at. So we're going we're gonna to essentially install a really truncated version of this offense, and we're going to run it out there against Georgia and see what happens. And look, Georgia adjusted after two series, but they scored touchdowns on both those series, and, and that defense was good enough. And that is the happiest I have ever seen a coaching staff after a game. So in that stadium in Jacksonville, where Urban Meyer will now be working, just the, the level of hugs 
is is unlike anything I've ever seen. And it was because they had been willing to go out on a limb, scrap the offense, which was their baby, which was their trademark. It's what had brought them to, to Florida in the first place because they needed to do something different to win. And that's exactly what you have to do in the NFL. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick creates a bespoke defense every game. He doesn't have a, he have a base defense. He creates a new one every single game. That's that's what you got to do to win. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to me because, like, I don't know how I feel about whether it's going to go good or bad. Like, it could be Super Bowl or it could be dumpster fire, and I don't know that it would – that either of those things would surprise me. And it's not that I don't have confidence in his ability to coach. I've seen it up close for a large portion of my life, and it was incredible. Um, but I also think, too, that it's an interesting uh, risk for him because if he doesn't do well in the NFL, it doesn't tarnish what he was as a college football coach. And if he does great in the NFL, then that's a way to annex more stardom as one of the best coaches ever. And I think that he um, cares deeply about the way he's remembered and viewed. And I know that... Uh, things didn't always go great for him off the field in the college ranks, both at Florida and Ohio State. Uh, a lot of people like to mention, um, you know, fake heart attacks and fake health things and it wasn't, off the field and, and issues. It's all the, bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the, the none of the medical stuff was fake. Let's no, make, that, I know. make that very I know. clear right but now. But what do you think it's going to people think though right now? Because yeah. he left and uh, you know. Now, there, were, Ohio, there were problems. The same, he he, he yeah. took risks on players that he probably shouldn't have at Florida and and had some really bad guys on his roster. And then uh the Zach Smith thing, look, that was that's on that's on Urban Meyer for not handling that situation properly. You know, you you can you can say he's a great coach, but you can also say he messed those things up and he did. But yeah, this this is a situation where now he's got a his hiring, it can't be. It can't be your mentor's grandson. It, it can't be, I trust this guy because he's my mentor's grandson. No, or, you have to hire the best yeah. coaches or you will fail. Or your best friend or, or the man that you were best man in his wedding, Billy Davis, who was the linebacker's coach, who's now back in the NFL. Like You need to put all that stuff aside. But the reason why I brought that stuff up, Andy, is A, we can't get through the podcast without getting to it. But B, it's not surprising to me in the least that that's not the lasting impression that we have of him as a coach. And I think that that was important to him. Now, I thought maybe at one point he might return to the college ranks and do something differently like in three or four years from now because he's still a relatively young guy. But the idea of Ohio State not being his final chapter, um, going to the NFL and starting a completely new storyline for himself, I think all those things are very appealing to a man who – has worked his entire life to build what he is, but also cares deeply about how he's perceived and viewed by fans. Well, here's another thing I, I was just thinking about. You know, Dabo Sweeney told Jackson Carmen, the, the offensive tackle from Ohio, hey, you don't want to go to Ohio State. Urban Meyer's going to retire soon. You know Come who got Clemson. that quote? Do you know who got that quote? Ari Wasserman did. <laughs> Do you know, who pulled, you, always, you know who pulled Dabo aside after that quote came out and said, hey, Dabo, uh, this is what Jackson Carmen said. It's going to blow up, so you're going to have to respond to this right now. And he did. He's like, it's recruiting. What do you want? And <laughs> guess what? Dabo was right. <laughs> Urban did retire. But you know what Dabo Sweeney cannot say to, to quarterback Trevor Lawrence right now? He can't say Urban Meyer is going to retire. You don't want to go play for him. <laughs> yeah. Because Urban Meyer is going to draft you, and you're yeah. going to go play for him. And I just I just think it's funny how how this all sort of comes full circle like that because small world 
it, it is amazing. But yes, uh, Dabo's quarterback is going to be Urban's quarterback, and there's nothing Dabo can do about that. But let's let's talk about the personnel thing because that that is one thing that is so different between college and the NFL. In college, the head coach has complete personnel control. That's rare in the NFL. Belichick has it. Um, we thought Bill O'Brien had it and handled it very poorly, but now more is coming out that maybe he didn't have as much as, as we thought. Uh, but there will be a GM. Uh, Shot Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, has said he will be involved in personnel decisions, Jerry Jones style. Uh, that's something that Urban Meyer is going to have to get used to because, you know, at Ohio State, at Florida, at Utah, if he wanted a guy, that's that's what he went and got. Yeah, you know, it, that's the complete difference. And I think that that's why, like, when we were, we had the podcast about the national title game and we spoke about what Nick Saban has done and how it might be one of the most impressive feats in all of coaching history. But the reason why it's not is because Bill Belichick has done it in a sport that's got far more parity. Now, Alabama and what they built culture wise is insane. But when you get to, it's like the Lane Kiffin, the Lane Kiffin quote when he was at FAU when they played Ohio State. They asked him before the game, "How do you feel about this game?" And he said, "Well, it's like playing at recess, but the other team got eighty-five first-round picks or the eighty-five <laughs> picks first. Yeah. And it's like that's true. And if you go back and you look at Urban Meyer's record, I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's like eighty and eighty-nine and seven or something like that. I don't know, um, but it's a lot and a little. I think that you could whittle down the list of games that Ohio State competed in where the talent was equitable and I think he was probably 500 in those games so in terms of being a schematic guy that can draw things up and and take advantage of mismatches and, and be a guru offensively that's the thing that people that followed Ohio State would tell you was his weakness at the end of his career uh, in college. So for him to be successful, he's got to do the thing that he didn't do very well in college, and that is hire amazing assistants who have been there. Now, according to Zach Jackson, our Cleveland Browns writer at The Athletic, um, sources say that he has been reaching out to um, former NFL head coaches and coordinators to be on his staff because he respects the idea of having to need that viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But I think that going from a place where your biggest knock on you was your inability to get the most out of your talent schematically um, to a place where you have to be elite schematically every week to win a single football game when the talent is the same, I think is going to be a very unique challenge for him. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Well, and, and the culture building part of it's interesting too, because that that's something he excelled at in college. A lot of it was because he put a really good infrastructure in place, and, and Mickey Marotti, the strength coach at Ohio State, was a massive part of that. He, he was his strength coach at Florida, and he's a big reason why Ohio State and Florida were so good at, at producing high draft picks and guys who succeeded in the NFL. You, do, you, do you even reach out to bring him? Because the strength coach does not mean nearly as much in the NFL as he means in college. He's, he's sort of your minister of culture in college, but in the NFL, everybody's got their guy. Every player has their own guy. It's not you're not getting together for 5 a.m. workouts in January. I think that everybody in Columbus, Ohio, is collectively nervous right now. You yeah, know, because it, it's one thing too. It's like in college, like you said, it's a right hand guy. He's the guy on the couch in Urban's office uh, eight hours a day. Um, I think that matters if he wants his guy with him. Consigliere you know. function of, of yeah, yeah, not not the not the just building the players up because 
Yeah. He, he could do that with some players, but some players would be like, nah, I got my own dude. And like when it comes to culture building, you could make the the argument that Mickey Marotti was every bit as important to the culture building at Ohio State that Urban was. 100%. And if you think that that stuff translates to the way that guys train and the way things go in, in the NFL, then I think that you might want to bring him. I wouldn't be certain that Ohio State's going to get to keep him. And the other thing, too, is how much of a – like I have a hard time doing this sometimes, but in the hierarchy of jobs, what's a better job for Mick? Is it strength coach at Ohio State uh, – or is it strength coach of NFL franchise? Like, what is a better career path? Like, I don't even know the answer to that. Well, I, I think that strength coach in college just does more. I, I think they have more duties. And I'm not positive on the, the pay scale, but I'm pretty sure strength coaches in college get paid more. And if Mickey wanted to, he could probably become the first seven-figure college strength coach. Yeah. I mean, he's he's in that, he's in that discussion. So it's also like you have to – it's so easy just to draw straight lines and go, well, Urban worked with him and Urban worked with him and Urban worked for him. They're all going to go with him. It's like they're also people with lives and career right. aspirations. You can't just say that. It's also, too, it's like I know I, I read, can a college player personnel director or director of recruiting be an awesome NFL scout? Like could could Mark Pantone be a, one of the lead scouts for the Jaguars? Possible. I mean, he's from Sarasota, Florida, and he's helped identify these teenagers I, I would trust him to identify who the best uh, college prospects are for an NFL franchise. It's like just because it's not the same job doesn't mean that there's no. So I think you could look at it both well, and, ways. And, and hey. the thing is, a lot of the colleges have gone to the NFL to get those guys. Like Alabama's got a guy named Bob Welton who who was a scout and and worked in front offices before he got to Alabama. And he was at Tennessee before that. So it's that cross pollination is is getting pretty thick. Like I don't I don't know that there's that big of a difference, especially now that colleges are going to be scouting tra potential transfers more. I mean, you're going to have essentially the same setup. You're going to have your draft evaluation department and your your pro personnel evaluation department just like you would on an NFL team. Well, so let I me think, tell you something too. I think too. it'll be a little uh, easier. I uh just did this uh story uh for the Athletic during signing day. It was an anonymous survey with uh recruiting staffers in every conference from coast to coast. And I did the questions and asked them the questions. And then afterwards we talked, you know, just, Hey, how you doing? You know, what do you want to do? Like how are things, you know, man to man. And a lot of the aspirations of these guys are to be general managers of an NFL franchise. Mm -hmm. Like this is like what they want to do with their lives. And a lot of them are younger, younger guys. And they think, well, if I can show that I can build a program or I can find recruits, we can land these recruits and build something then maybe that'll make me an attractive candidate to being a, a a candidate for an NFL department. And if that happens, then you put yourself in a position to maybe being a GM one day. Now, I don't know the NFL breakup or, or makeup of GMs and what their career paths were for the most part from professional football teams. But as in college continues to trend toward that NFL department, recruiting departments, I think that there's more of a straight line to understanding of if you are the player personnel director at a college, you are basically the GM. And some colleges even call them the GM. Yeah. So, like, that might be an attractive thing. Now, there's also career risk. Mark Pantone could be the player personnel director at Ohio State until he's 80 if he wants. And he's making pretty good money and is doing a really good job. Or he can go take a risk, try to get – I mean, this is all speculation. But Ohio State and their staff right now is certainly – their fans are like, what, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what who who will Urban Meyer reach out to? Because you know there's going to be somebody at least. 
So you, you've got that that piece of it. The going from the college to the pros thing, it, it, it's one of those that we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Let me give you one potential comparison only because of the Jags' current situation. You know, they've got the number one draft pick. They have tons of draft capital. They have lots of cap space. Now, this is a guy who came before the, the cap was as big of a deal, but Jimmy Johnson got to the Cowboys. Now, he had the horrible first year, but then they make the Herschel Walker trade and they get all those draft picks and suddenly they can build. This feels like a similar situation. Jimmy Johnson going from Miami to the Cowboys into a situation where they could they could remake the roster very quickly into whatever it is they wanted it to be. That is what it feels like Urban Meyer is going into, where he can make this roster, or he and the GM and, and the owner can make this roster what they want it to be. And I think that's probably what made it so attractive because, you know, the Chargers also talked to Urban Meyer, and the Chargers already have a quarterback. They got Justin Herbert. He's going to be a very good NFL quarterback based on what we saw his rookie season. But this is a better situation probably for Urban Meyer. One, because you've lived nearby before you like the area. And two, you can make this team what you want it to be. And that gives you the best chance to succeed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I have a graphic on my computer that I've been saving for this podcast uh, for a few weeks. Current open head coaching positions. You got, or I don't know if they're all current anymore, but Jaguars, Jets, Chargers, Lions, Texans, Falcons. Um, Eagles. Jacks, Eagles just recently, but... Jacksonville has 81 million in 2021 cap space. Mm -hmm. The Jets have 73, the Chargers have 30, and the Lions have 10. They've got two first round draft picks, two second rounds, a third round, and seven fourth round picks, or seven fourth through seventh round picks. That is a ton of opportunity to do something. Yeah. And if you do it right, like people think I'm the joke I made uh, about the chance of going two and four with the chance to go three and four. If they do that, that's good. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, like, and it's, they you got to like one game this year. <laughs> I know. So, but in terms of opportunity, location, cap space, draft um, equity, I don't know what else would be better if he were ever going to want to do this. This, this is the ideal situation. If it doesn't work, it's because it didn't work. But you can't blame it. There are no, there are no excuses for it to not work. You have every opportunity here. Now we just have to see if it does. Ari, it's been a pleasure. Urban Meyer is an NFL head coach. Never bet your kids or your life or any of that stuff on anything. That's, that's how, what you learn. How often are you going to be in Jacksonville, bud? <laughs> Let's put it this way. Me and Highway 301 are about to get real acquainted. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm going to drive out uh, to Jacksonville just to, to live in your shoes one day. I mean, I, I, I've always thought that, you know, I was in Columbus, Ohio, and then I recently moved to Texas to be with my girlfriend. And there were rumors last year of he potentially was a candidate for the Cowboys job. And I thought to myself, God, if I am end up in Dallas and he's in the Cowboys head coach, I'm going to be at that facility every day. 
the angles, the discussions, your your institutional knowledge dating back to the beginning of his career. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see the parallels and how things go from that standpoint and everything. But the one thing, too, and I, I know you tried to wrap this up, but I think it's interesting. Um, and maybe we should take two minutes. And I don't mean to hijack okay. you, but like, how no do problem. you feel about his health? Because that's going to be a thing. People are going to wonder, yep. like, what? And we didn't touch on it. And I think it might be important just to hit it real quick before we go. Well, I, I think that's a personal thing for him. And only he knows. And only he can can judge whether he's capable of handling this or not. And I think it, it it's about what we talked about earlier, the rewiring of your brain to accept that you're going to lose some games and that it's, it, like you said, a different sport. That if you go 11 and 5, you have had a great season and you're going to the playoffs and you're and everybody's happy and, and you can't be miserable and, and just downtrodden because you lost those five games and you can't go in the jar after you lose each of those games you you've got to rally because you got I mean here's the thing what if you lose a game on Sunday and you got a Thursday night game you gotta bounce back like that's yeah that's just how it works it's a different game different league uh it, it's not every game it's not every game counts or every game what, what, what did the BCS used to say every game matters every it, game matters it, they don't all matter they don't you just have to pick the ones who do and yeah. so as far as his health goes, that's something he's got to decide and he's got to, he's got to pay attention to it. I do agree with you that not having to deal with recruiting should help that because recruiting is what makes college coaching a 24 seven job. NFL coaches, if they choose to, can actually have a life and still get a lot of work done. Yeah. 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 Um, it, and it, the thing about it is, is that it, it is stress. But it's not the overarching stress of daily life. It's the stress in the moment when your receiver fumbles the ball inside the posing 10, where right. you're like bottled up and you have rage going into your veins like I do when I'm playing Madden. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a hard yes, thing Ari to playing Madden, Urban actually coaching human beings. Same, same thing. Totally. <laughs> I get so angry playing Madden. I get so angry, like irrationally, irrationally angry uh, dating back to when I was 10 years old. I used to break controllers and my dad used to. You'd, pr you'd press reset without asking, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd, yeah. You'd, I without would, asking yeah. your opponent if you could. Yeah, yeah. Um, but seriously, I, I wish him the best. And, you know, when it comes to the health thing, you know, it's a very concerning thing because I was 100 yards away from him when that thing happened at Maryland. I saw that. It was like. Being in the building, looking at it, it was terrifying. We thought he was like going to go to the hospital. Like I was like worried, um, you know. So the idea that he's you know taking a few years off, refreshed a little bit, hopefully has paid attention to that. But you know that was a real issue, and I hope that if one person who makes heart attack jokes listens to this podcast, they can change their view on that a little bit because he had some real health issues at both places, and you know this stuff is real, and we're talking about a human's life, and you know, joking about that stuff is is kind of stupid to me. So, you know, I think that he's fine. Uh, clearly, he's the one that has to decide those things, and it's a real uh, issue that has to be taken advantage. But it's also not fake, so don't make jokes about it. All right, so we will joke about this though, because we know that Urban Meyer did not use the word Michigan when he served as Ohio State's coach. It was the team up north, and he actually, you know, that that was a, an old Woody Hayes thing. He he used it at Florida for Florida State. It, he, he called, he'd call in the team up north or the team to the Northwest. And so my question is, 
which AFC South team does he decide to do this to, and and what do they get? Does it does he pick Vrabel's yeah, the, team? Yeah, he, he's gonna pick the Titans, and he's gonna call them the Oilers. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we got the Oilers this week. Hope, hope Warren Moon doesn't torch us. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I don't know what they're. I, I forgive me for not. I don't know if Jacksonville has a natural rival. Uh, they, but they don't. I mean, it, it's you know the the, the South is it, it probably. Is the is the Titans? I guess. I mean, the the problem is Jacksonville hasn't been competitive enough, really, to to have one to to develop. Yeah. One. So maybe maybe they will, and and I don't know if it's going to be the Titans or the Colts or or the Texans. It kind of depends on how things go. But I just think it. I can't wait till till he drops an Oilers on the on the Titans the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta stay true to your brand, and your brand is hating a rival, even if you have to make one up. I'm waiting for the Tennessee Titans urinal cakes. That's the <laughs> they they had BYU urinal cakes when he coached at Utah. It's it's only a matter of time, Jacksonville. It's all yours now. Four Thanks to so six for- A to B. Four to six A to B. Uh, all that stuff. Uh, you know, we're gonna e go over the plan equals to, O. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, go over the plan, the plan to win. To win. <laughs> yeah, right. all that. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear all the the soliloquies about special teams with guys who make at least five hundred thousand dollars a year. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Ari. Thank you guys for so much for listening. We'll talk to you again on Monday.